It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. Sky, we have just concluded a very busy week at the General Assembly. We fresh off of spring break. It seems like we just started sprinting as soon as the week started this past Monday. Yeah, people came back into town, um, committees were scheduled, and it was hectic. We had many clients in town all at the same time this week, so it was a little hectic for us as well. Yeah, the, the firefighters were in town, as we talked about last week. A big bill drop for them, the Firefighters Fighting Cancer Act of 2021. They were there because the, the, the House's bill really got a lot of media attention, uh, partly because it was sponsored by many in the House leadership, including Representative Destin Hall, Majority Leader John Bell, Jason Sane, John Hardister. We went from Tuesday all the way uh, Wednesday. Actually, it was just two days, but gosh, it just felt like <laughs> such a long week. It really did. And it is Thursday today, so the week's not over, but it is a legislative Thursday, which means they should be done by Thursday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a little later in the podcast, we're going to talk to Representative Jason Sane about this week. He's one of the bill sponsors. He's going to talk about being a big chair. He's going to share a little bit of his personal life. We'll get to that interview a little later. But let's talk about this past week. There were other things happening. We had a, a few t- time-sensitive bills that were being addressed by the General Assembly. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah, there was one bill that the house both the majority and the minority held a press conference on this morning and that was a bill that would align north carolina with the federal standard for ppp loans um, so that you don't have to pay taxes on related expenses to those ppp loans yeah and and there's a press conference today about that we're recording on thursday there was a press conference today kind of an unusual uh press conference in that it was a bipartisan press conference. We had Republican House leaders and Democratic House leaders uh, talking about this legislation. Yeah, Minority Leader Robert Reeves even mentioned during his speech that this was the second time they had done a bipartisan press conference between him and Speaker Moore in the last couple of months. Yeah, and I think he said that's more than they've had in the last seven years, he joked. He did say that. Another bill, we kind of previewed it last week, it got a lot of media attention. No matter where you are in the state, you probably heard about the Save Women's Sports Act. It was heard in a Judiciary One committee. It was an interesting committee. Uh, There were no votes. It, It set on the calendar for discussion only. Talk about how that works when uh, a chairperson puts on the agenda that it was only for discussion, meaning what? It just means that it will not be, there won't be a motion for a favorable report, which is your general motion to get a bill out of a committee. There won't be a motion. There is just discussion about substantively what is in the bill. And there are a couple of reasons you might do that for this bill. It's because it's controversial and there are heated exchanges on both sides. In the Senate last biennium, every judiciary committee the first time it was heard in judiciary it was for discussion only and the second time was for a vote so that they could work on things through um, judiciary 
Yeah, so we, we can't tell if there's any final decision on this. There's all sorts of rumors going around that the bill was just for discussion and it's not going to move. Of course, anything can happen, right? Yeah, it was a emotional, it was an emotional hearing and we were in the committee and it was about an hour and 35, 40 minutes. It was a long committee and Ted Davis, who is the chair of the J1 committee, allowed everyone to speak who wanted to, so it took a while. The cloud of HB2 seems to be hovering over this, and so while some business interests may not want to get into the debate of the issue itself, they just don't want this bill coming up because we're still really feeling some of the repercussions of HB2, which was passed in 2016, and for those of you who've been living under a rock, that's been called the bathroom bill. I think that you heard a lot about that, and whether it was a coincidence or not, the press conference and the bill filing for this bill was on the exact day that HB2 had passed five years ago. Also going on at the General Assembly, uh, speaking of athletics and sports, the North Carolina High School Athletics Association is in front of government operations this week. Can you talk a little bit about the role of government operations, the GovOps, as it's called inside the building? Yeah, GovOps is taking up looking into the finances of the NCHSAA, and that is because they say, um, I think this came from Senator Sawyer over um, on the Senate side, she said that she took a look into this during COVID because of not being able to attend her children's sporting events due to COVID, and realized that they had amassed quite an amount of money, and it wasn't similar to other states' high school sports associations. So she felt that they had too much money, potentially, and they are publicly funded. I guess they get a line item in the budget, so all of that is something they're looking into. GovOps is chaired by Senator Berger and uh, Speaker Moore. So it is. it would be powerful to have this committee looking into your organization. We tend to look at the General Assembly as being a policy-making, law-making body, and they do that. But they also have a, a role in providing oversight of the executive branch and of the agencies that they fund. So to bring them in, uh, we're, we're looking at an old-fashioned grilling of the High School Athletic Association, and, and they're going to have to account for this amass money. And they may have a great reason as to what's going on, but we're going to figure that out under government operations. Yeah, it kind of feels more like Congress where you pull in some people and they sit on they sit on a long table in front of a panel of people as they are just grilled for a few hours and I really think the Senate has sort of taken that role this year Um, and so this joint committee will do that as well. We have had a lot of news this week come out about the U.S. Senate race that is being teed up for 2022. As we all know, uh, Senator Richard Burr, our senior senator uh, in the U.S. Senate, has announced he is not running for re-election. For the past couple of years, former Governor Pat McCrory has been wishy-washy about whether he's going to enter various races. And this week, there was a rumor that he was going to enter the Senate race. 
And on Wednesday morning, I think on his radio show, he announced that he was going to do so. So we already have former Congressman Mark Walker from Greensboro. He announced last year he was running, had a a very interesting ad that announcing uh, his candidacy. Ted Budd, who is a current congressman in Greensboro area, he has announced, or at least he's made some hints. We've heard uh, Mark Robinson, our lieutenant governor, it was in this morning's paper uh, that he is looking at the U.S. Senate race. But what's interesting, when uh, last week when Governor McCrory, former Governor McCrory, started uh, hinting that he would jump in the race, Mark Walker had some very uh, pointed comments towards the former governor. He said, why would we vote for someone who's lost more statewide races than he's won? He's clearly a failed politician, that sort of rhetoric. It's not uncommon for there to be some infighting as they start to to mount their campaign and to and to point out contrast between the candidates and it sounds like walker really took it to mccrory <laughs> on a personal level too i had brought this tweet up to you that i saw that brian murphy from mcclatchy had tweeted that there was a theory that ted budd was getting in the race to hurt walker help mccrory win the nomination or the primary at least, and then Bud, because he has such good name ID in the state, would run for governor and stop Mark Robinson from winning that nomination, which is quite a rabbit hole once you start going down it, but that is a theory that's out there. Yeah, and and it is already on the Republican side a crowded field between those who have announced and those who have yet to announce. There's still this rumor out there that Lara Trump, the daughter-in-law of former President Donald Trump, is talking about getting in the race. I think Ted Budd said if she got in, he wouldn't get in. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of rumors. A lot of rumors. Now, we don't want you to think that, you know, it's just Republicans having some fights. Uh, there, there are also some, some things going on on the Democratic side. The front runner appears to be Jeff Jackson. He, senator Jackson, he's a state senator from the Mecklenburg County area, just posted, I think, $1.5 million he raised in quarter one. Uh, we have former Senator Erica Smith, who uh, is up in the northeastern part of the state. She is running for the United States Senate. Haven't seen her financials uh, released yet, which tells me it probably is not one and a half million dollars. That's right. And she ran uh, two years ago, was beat by uh, uh, Cal, Cal Cun- Cunningham. Cal Cunningham. This hasn't really gotten into the mainstream media. But when you talk about Senator Jackson, there are a lot of Democrats, at least elected leaders, who are hoping that Sherry Beasley gets in, the former Chief Justice, talking to a few Democrats who were elected uh, inside the General Assembly. There seems to be a little resentment towards Senator Jackson. Like, I don't think he is going to get the endorsement of most of the senators who are Democrats within the General Assembly. Yeah, he's one of those people who has a great social media game. You can go on his Twitter and fall in love with him. I think that happens for a lot of folks. But people who work with him appear to have a different opinion. 
It's going to be interesting to see what the establishment Democrat, who they support. Are they going to go to Beasley? Will they stick with Jackson? And then there's also, there's been some criticism over the last couple campaign cycles, particularly uh, on the U.S. Senate level, about our establishment Democrats supporting African-American mm-hmm. candidates. And so Sherry Beasley, the former Chief Justice, African-American woman, first African-American woman to be a chief justice. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see who those Democrats go to. Yeah, that makes me think of when Jeff Jackson announced that he was in the race, or maybe when the rumors had started about that, that there was a meme of just a bunch of like regular looking white men sitting in a row. And it was like, spot Jeff Jackson and Cal Cunningham in this line. Uh, They look the same. People are saying, like, they just replaced Cal Cunningham with Jeff Jackson. They're the same person. Yeah, yeah. Well, one man who has not announced his candidacy for the U.S. Senate uh, hasn't even... Terrence Everett. (laughs) (laughs) Terrence Everett. I I think he's waiting for his cat to be potty trained, if if Twitter, uh, what he posted on Twitter is correct. Uh, But one man who has not jumped into the U.S. Senate race is Republican uh, Representative Jason Sane. He is the senior appropriations chair uh, at the General Assembly. He pretty much, along with his big chair colleagues, they write the House version of the budget and negotiate it with the Senate. We're going to talk to Jason Sane and learn more about him, but we're also going to learn more about the big chair roles in, in crafting the budget. Welcome to the podcast, Representative Sane. We will just start with telling us about your district. Can you give us some insight into your district? What makes it great? I live in the same neighborhood I grew up in now. My Um, wife and I, we love the area. Obviously, I grew up there. We just love the area so much. Lincoln County, growing up there, I went to public schools there. Um, Grew up on Lake Norman. Dad had a place on Lake Norman. So the weekends were spent on the lake. That's in the eastern part of my district. My family, my mom's family is from... Western Lincoln County, worked in Western Lincoln County for, for many years, and then grew up in the center of Lincoln County. So the district, I know the district forward and backward. Mm-hmm. I know, and it's really like having three separate districts. You got the folks that live in town in Lincolnton. Um, you got the uh, kind of a more rural area in Western Lincoln County, folks who really don't want a lot from government. They don't want to, uh, they, they, they like living out and away from everybody. And then I've got you know all the new people that come in to live on Lake Norman, and and so it's a very you know very diverse district in one district, and and uh, we just love it. Um, my wife's the senior center director for Lincoln County, so she's a county employee now. She's been in healthcare for years, and then this position came open, and she's very passionate about elder care, and it's really her dream job. So she interfaces with our, our what I call our seasoned citizens. They like that a lot better. Uh, and, you know, I'm in politics. I get it. And, uh, uh, but, and then my son goes to Lincoln Charter School. Uh, he's in the seventh grade. He's basically a mini-me, a copy. Uh, you've all met him. And uh, he, is, he is, you know, quick-witted, funny, uh, you know, never really has a bad day. Uh, living his best life, as I tell people. So we, we, we love it. And we've got our two dogs. We've got Charlotte, who's a basset hound. And then, uh, and then we've got uh, Sasha, who's a Belgian Malinois. So think about the police dog. That's what she is. We live, we live in, in a neighborhood that we love our neighbors. My parents are my neighbors just a few doors down. And uh, we, we, we're blessed. And, and we, we really, really have all we need. So it's, it's nice. So to have that comfort and, and to, to go home to a place you really love makes it real easy to come back to Raleigh and represent them. 
Yeah. That is good. And so let's talk about you coming to the General Assembly. You were appointed to the House when I believe it was Representative Jonathan Ryan had left the seat. So there was a, a vacated seat. You were appointed. And you've shared this story with me in some of our conversations. You weren't exactly on top of the world. Can you share with us just a little bit sure. about that time in your life? No, you know, you you, uh, you you never know how you get to where you're where you're going. You can you can have the best laid plans, but uh, God God might have a different plan for you. And I had was out of work. Keep in mind, this is you know at the tail end of the downturn economy uh, of the Great Recession. I had worked for two different family companies right before that. And just kind of hanging on, I uh, had a senior position with a trucking company, but you know, with gas prices exploding and, and um, productivity going down and the economy slowing, well, they had to let me go, you know, because the, the rest of the family had to have a place to work. And same thing happened with the, with the uh, security company I worked for, which was a good match with what I do as a volunteer firefighter. And, you know, it stunk. I mean, it really did. And, and had a young child. Jackson was three and a half when, when I got appointed. And, um, you know, but, but I had a wife who, who had a, a good job. We were, we were getting by, but it was, it was tough. I'll tell you, it was really tough and was looking for work. I took the party chairmanship. Uh, they, they had approached me about being the party chairman for Lincoln County earlier in that year. I took it one, you know, I'd been around the party for a long, long time, but uh, I thought, you know, what a great way to network. Maybe I'll find my next job. I've got really nothing else to do right now. And uh, while I'm looking for work. And so poured myself into that, uh, met as many people locally as I could, uh, I, you know, enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. But we were looking for Jonathan Ryan's replacement. Jonathan had been our family attorney and uh, had done, you know, business work for me over the years and knew Jonathan very well. He calls me. He says, we're done with session, and I move into the family home, my wife's family home in Gaston County. That will make me ineligible to serve. Uh, good luck finding my replacement. I think you would do a good job. And I said, well... Thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, I put it to the committee. We had three, three or four folks that came out, uh, you know, right away wanting to run for the seat. Um, I wasn't a candidate. I, I really thought that I was really needed to be focused for my family, looking for that 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 job or, or you know that next step in, in my professional career. And thirteen thousand nine hundred dollars probably isn't what the job you were looking for. <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you what my wife said. Uh, so. Uh, after a couple of days of searching and, and realizing that the, the executive committee picks the replacement, talking to them, uh, they weren't settled on any of the candidates. They couldn't get good people, but they just couldn't get the votes needed out of the, out of the committee. And, and members of my committee come to me and they go, why don't you do it? And I tell my wife this in the kitchen on Saturday morning, and as I'm kind of struggling with, what are we going to do? I've got to find this replacement. And she, she looks at me across the way and she goes, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah. She says, what the hell are you doing? I said, what? She said, why aren't you a candidate? She said, you would be excellent for this. You would love it. And she goes, I know you've always wanted to do it. It's just not on your time frame. I think you saw it as something that you might do once you retired. I said, right. I said, well, you know, honey, it only pays $13,000 a year. And she says, well, it's better than zero. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, and she said, look, I know you, you'll get in front of people and you'll find new opportunities. Take it. And and I said, you're, you're fine with it. She said, you volunteer a lot with the lodge. You volunteer with the fire department. Um, you know, during the week you're engaged, and and we love that you do that. You know, you're not you're not always at home during the week. She says, is it still you know Monday through Thursday pretty much? I said, yeah. She said, do it. So if you don't like it, you don't have to run again. So I did. Uh, it was just a great opportunity for me. Got up here, 
uh, Speaker Tillis, Senator Tillis at the time, said, you know, you know half the caucus already, and you're friends with them. Make as many relationships and connections as you can. I think you'll be successful. And, and, and that really started it. And I got up here, and, and lo and behold, Catherine was right. Uh, started met, met, met some folks in a tech company that was at a tech mixer uh, that was related to the legislature, but they didn't do anything with state government. And then started working with them, started getting clients, and things just worked out. You have been a part of some major work. You led tax reform on the House side when you were chair, chairman of the Finance Committee. You were rewarded on the national level, ALEC Man of the Year, ALEC Legislator of the Year. You were chairman of ALEC. Um, but I want to talk about Jason saying, you know, you're this conservative guy. You're not angry about it at all. No, I'm a happy guy. You're a happy guy, <laughs> and you're known for your sense of humor. I have heard you quote rap songs. I have heard you make references to the Anchorman. You love Star Wars. One time, you quoted Ice Cubes as we adjourned with a Bye Felicia uh, reference. Can you tell me about this guy who is so funny, so interesting, you seem to have no enemies, you will debate anyone with a smile on your face, and you seem to disarm us with your humor. Can you talk about this no, guy? And thank you. Look, it's, it's very complimentary, and, 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 and I'm humbled by what you said. And You know, I, part of it, I think, is we talked about how I got here, right? I mean, when, when you've kind of had you know, life thrown at you, um, it's humbling. And you realize you're not the big deal that you thought you were. I, I tell all our new members as they come in, like, hey, I'm sure you're great. I'm sure the people in your district love you. Uh, just don't ever believe your press release 100%, right? <laughs> Nobody's as good as you write in your press release. But, it's, but you know, it, it, it is self-deprecating humor because you kind of got to laugh at it. It's very serious sometimes what we're talking about. Uh, we're impacting people's lives. And what's driven me is, is that, you know, I, from where I was, coming up here to serve and knowing that, that what I – can do what we talk about tax reform we did unemployment reform i was on unemployment when i got here right. um you know i know what that means and i knew, i knew personally how government gets it wrong mm -hmm. and so what drives me in that is that uh, you know and we can have disagreements but I, but i've lived it and i know how government can get it right and, and government doesn't often get it right so pushing for those reforms it's it's a it's a mission in life for me uh, to, to make this state the best state it can be for everybody so that my son's got an opportunity. So they didn't have to suffer through something like that. Mm -hmm. If we're at near full employment, then that's not an issue. I realize that life has its ups and downs. And the legislative days have their ups and downs. I mean, some days you walk out and you go, why do I do this? And it's clearly for the money at $13,000, dollars a year. But uh, you do it because you love people. And, and if you love people and you love yourself, you can you can have fun with people, and I love look. I love picking around. If you ever watch us before a, a, a rules committee meeting, our, our minority leader Robert Reeves, so mm -hmm. guy, you know, political philosophies are very different, but he's a friend, and you know, and he'll sit down and, and you know, and I start with Robert Reeves. About time you got here, you know, and we just start <laughs> picking, and 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 I love pop culture, and you know, especially stuff from the eighties and nineties when you talk about that by Felicia quote. A good friend of mine who's he's not in the legislature anymore, but. Urban black Democrat. I'm a you know white conservative from a red district, and and but we were two guys who were at the time 44, 45 years old. Love watching sports together because we're missing our families while we're in Raleigh. But you got to go blow off steam at the end of the night, and we'd go watch you know ball games in a bar or go out to a Durham Bulls game or something like that together. And we're just buddies. 
And and we're, we we started for whatever reason is we'd leave at the end of the night and we were out. I'd say bye, Felicia, and it's a quote from the movie Friday. <laughs> and and so so it's and, and a representative was representative Ed Haynes and Ed says to me he says, Representative saying, I bet you won't say bye, Felicia, on the floor of the house. I said, Rep Haynes. I said, I will take your bet. I said, but What do I get for this? He says, Friendly bet. He said, I'll buy your steak dinner one night. I said, All right, steak dinner it is. And so. We're on the cusp of, uh, one, it was a Thursday, and it was the Thursday before our our break for Easter. Uh So I always call Thursdays Legislative Fridays. That's right. Because that's when we go home at the end of the day. And and so we go home, and and, and so we're getting ready to go, and normally we would have, actually it's on a Wednesday, so we're talking about Thursday before we go, and I say, you know, uh, we go to to announcements, and and the speaker goes, you know, the gentleman from Lincoln's recognized for an announcement. And I go, Mr. Speaker, you know, since Thursdays are generally legislative Fridays and uh, all of you legislators are trying to get out of the building like by Felicia uh, <laughs> and seeing that the Easter break is, is right ahead, uh, the finance committee will not meet on Thursday morning. And I look over at Ed and a number of members of the Democrat caucus who are fans of, of Ice Cube and the movies Friday just lose their minds. You know, they're laughing. You can just see them like, oh, my God, did he really say that? And like, yeah, he said it. Uh, but, you know, again, it's just it was fun. You know, we weren't we weren't discussing a serious issue. It wasn't anything like that. It's just announcements, and and he just worked it in. And it's you can go back to the recordings. I I can tell you it was uh, uh you know almost uh, actually I can point you to the day that it was. So it's 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 archived at the General Assembly forever. Uh, that that Representative Sain said bye, Felicia. But you know, I was, I was sitting with uh, Clark, who's my right hand, my chief of staff, my my research assistant, and it's a Thursday afternoon. Been a long week, uh, doing legislation around budget time and. I'd introduced some legislation about uh, replacing U.S. senators should one resign. Well, you know, reporters, they, they think, oh, what is this about? What does he know? Is there a U.S. senator about to resign? And there weren't, there, you know, nothing, nothing like that at the time. But it's just something we had discussed, and we thought it was a good idea to run the bill. And I, I get an inquiry from a young reporter who clearly had not seen Ferris Bueller. And like I told you, it's Thursday <laughs> afternoon. We, we might have been kicking back and enjoying life a little bit. And I just, I can't be bothered, but I'm not going to be rude. So I respond to him. And he asked me the reason for that. I said, look, life moves at you fast. And just gave him the whole Ferris Bueller quote. And thought, okay, he'll get the idea that I really don't want to be bothered right now. And maybe we'll talk about it next week. Well, Friday morning comes. And about 7.15, my phone rings. And another member of the house, he says, man, uh, I'll clean it up a little bit. But he says, that's some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in the newspaper. I said, you know, I've slept since then. I said, what are you talking about? He says, Ferris Bueller. He said, you, you quoted Ferris Bueller. And he said, if you read the article, they attribute the entire quote to you and don't even mention Ferris Bueller. Yeah. So it's still a line. It's a, it's a News and Observer uh, article about that. So if you search Ferris, or if you search, you know, life moves at you fast, Jason said it, it pops up. But And I'll call you out in a heartbeat. You yeah. know, if you're doing something stupid or funny, I mean, I'll make fun of you. And, yeah. and, and you know, my colleagues, they understand the nature in which I do it. And I'm just, if I didn't pick on you, then I don't like you. What people should always understand about legislators is they're just regular people. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you you obviously aren't doing it for money. For money, it's the public perception might be one thing, right. and you might be serving with the next congressman or somebody who's got this trajectory that they're going to run for governor one day or whatever. But a lot of the folks that I serve with, they're just there to 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 serve in that role. You know, represent their communities and do what they think's best. And and they're really interesting people, both parties. Yeah. Um, I hate that you know that sometimes the politics divide us. Yeah. But, but if you can get past the politics and go, you know what, there's a real person past that political veneer, uh, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I like, 
people fascinate me and I love learning about people and what makes them tick. Yeah. Yeah. Changing topics from being funny and having fun at the GA. Let's talk about something that is long nights um, and a lot of your job right now. You are a big chair for appropriations and we've been talking about the budget process on the podcast for the last few weeks. Can you kind of talk about what goes on behind the scenes when writing the budget? Yeah, I mean, this is the part that will not get covered in, in, a, in, a, in a news story because it won't bore you to tears, right? <laughs> and and, uh, and, and you know, that's not what they really do, but it is what we really do. Uh, this morning, for instance, I, I went in at eight, eight o'clock did a live interview with the station out of Charlotte, you know, said place of the hometown talking about one of my bills, which was cool. It was about daylight savings time. Um, but immediately after that, moved right into an appropriations meeting. And it was that all the chairs, all the senior chairs, big chairs is what the house calls them, but our official title senior chair. Uh, and, and we start getting the rundown of the day of where we're at. This is, you know, here's where departments are at. Uh, here's where the Senate's at on negotiating a number, a spin number for the, for the upcoming budget, uh, because it's kind of hard to put together a budget when, when it's just unlimited, right? And we could, you could all bring me a wish list and I could say, yes, well, that's not really how the process works. And we've got finite resources. So to be a, you know, to be good stewards of the, of, 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 of the dollars that, that we collect from people and tax money, uh, we, we do set our own kind of ceiling of what we're willing to do. And, and also a floor, because we, we do have to fund state government. And you can be as conservative as you want to be, but, it, but unless you're ending the government tomorrow, uh, you, you got to pay for things. And, and I believe that you know, the state can't have nice things. People pay taxes. They want to see a return on their dollar. They, really, they generally don't mind too much if they believe that you're spending it in the right places and that you're being thoughtful. So it takes a lot of time. When you're, when you're talking about $25 billion on a regular budget, it's not even mentioned CARES Act money and you know, the money tree that they keep shaking up in Washington, D.C., and then collecting the dollars and then sending it back down to us, telling you how to spend those dollars. Uh, just just a regular year and trying to get the budget done. Knowing what each agency needs, how things have changed. Uh, they might need less money on this this category, but they might need more on this because our population grows. Our, our good tax policy has meant that more people have come to North Carolina, which means your expenses grow. Hopefully you're growing enough to where you're not, uh, you know, running deficits. And we technically can't run deficits but that's you know other government accounting tricks you probably can we don't and so it's it's really very difficult and and a very very time-consuming process because you you know one conversation is hhs and so you're learning about you know uh, healthcare and communities in the very next conversation you're talking about the university system or what we're going to pay teachers for for their work uh you know and and you're balancing all this because you, you know, of course, you know, people's natures they want to say yes, uh, and I'd love to give every everybody everything they ever wanted, but that's not the reality we we have to live in. So we have to we have to be very disciplined, and so so in in so doing, and then being a senior chair of that process uh, means after all the negotiations have have filtered from from the bottom to the top or top to the bottom, however you want to look at it, through the committee process, the, the topics that are the topics du jour. Uh, you know, what, what, what does, you know, uh, the Senate leader Berger got on his mind, what's going to be some of the things that he's pushing his caucus toward, what's Speaker Moore doing and, and the things that he wants to fund, uh, how are we going to pay for that, and, and what does your, you know, your members want, what, what's a, what are priorities, and you're juggling those all the time. Mm-hmm. And, so, and you're trying to be fair, and you've got folks with real needs, real interest, and you, you never could plug every hole. 
so then you have to choose, and that's probably the hardest part. But that's what we do. I mean, it's a, and it's and it's early mornings to late at night. And I've been at that building, uh, not while we're in session, because oh by the way, just like all the other members, we still have to show up committees. We still have to show up uh, and be on the floor to vote. So that, so we've got to work around that schedule, which we're you know an average legislator who's just you know a member of committee and so forth. Uh, you know, they might, for lack of a better term, punch out at five o'clock. Heck, we're just getting into our, 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 our second wind for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might go to dinner, but a lot of times, it's, you know, we're, we're getting pizza and it's a great lifestyle. It's how you get to be a big guy like me. But uh, <laughs> you're just sitting there late doing this work and, and going through numbers and it can get, it can get boring. But, but at the same time, it's, um, it, you, you know what you do makes an impact. That is the, the fun of the job. Uh, but it is. It's a lot of hours, and it's a lot of time when you think about something as big as $25 billion. That's hard for people to imagine. Yeah. When do you think you guys will have a budget? There's, I mean, there seems to be a lot of uh, kumbaya right now between the governor and the leadership. It, all indications are he's going to sign a budget. I even talked to some Democrats this week. They're looking for reasons to vote for the budget. You think that means we get a budget by July 1, which is the beginning of the fiscal year for, yeah. for listeners out there? Yeah, you know, and counties counties really need us to get that budget done by July one. They, any delay that that we that we go much past July one makes it very difficult for them to plan because they're, you know, a portion of their budget is the state funding, mm-hmm. and uh, like say having a mom as a former county commissioner, I understand that, and because uh, I can remember when 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 they were doing their budgeting and what that meant, and I hear it from my current county commissioners. So, I, I think I think Brian, you framed it very well. There, there is a bit of a kumbaya going on right now we, we you know we're not going to do everything that the governor cooper wants us to do uh we won't do everything that you know pick a member that that will do everything they want to do but i think that the the um the attitude and the willingness to compromise and to find ways to do things as we're in a good financial place yeah. despite the pandemic we're actually our state's in a much better place than most to do some things that are necessary uh stay fiscally conservative because you know we know that you know, you've got two bodies controlled by republicans who are more conservative they're not going to break the bank but at the same time they recognize that there's needs out there that i think my colleagues on the on the other side of the aisle have really advocated for in the past and, and again not going to do everything they want either but I, I, there there are pieces of that that are going to work together we won't set any records sure but but we might get it done on time okay and, and that's a good place for us and uh, I think you all, as, as lobbyists, know that uh, it's good when we get our job done because then you can go enjoy a little bit of your summer. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I, I always tell you know our members that they want to work too late or want to come in on a Saturday or Sunday, and we do have to do that sometimes. But, but you know, the people that work at the building who are their, our professional staff, yeah. the lobbyists, they like to go home and enjoy their families too. Yeah. And so if we can do that, get it done, and, and I think we will, uh, you know, we'll, we'll look toward that, that last week of June. Okay. All right, we ask everyone on the podcast this question. If you had a magic wand to fix anything in our political system, like our partisanship right now, what would that one thing be? I, I think really top of mind for me would, would be election integrity and trust. Um, there, there are different ways to go about how, how we do voting. Um, you know, and I'm not telling you that I have the, the, the silver bullet, but I, but I think if we could put and restore trust and faith in our elections, in the elections process, that'd be the thing I'd fix because I think that fixes other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you when you take out that distrust and and folks really realize that, like I've told you, 
most people are, are at the legislative building are arguing for a cause and are very honest about their point of view, whether I agree with it or not. I, I, that gets lost when you've got some of these other issues that have been on both sides have been used as a weapon uh, to, to, to put distrust into the election process and to, and to get people at a place where they're not so sure that, that things are working the way they should. I think that's the thing I'd fix because I think it's, I think it's key to our democracy. And I, and I, and I think, you know, I'm also a, a, always an optimist, uh, even on the, when, when it's, you know, even when it's very intense in this country, uh, our people uh, are resilient and they, they, they are willing to put stuff behind them and move forward. In an age of technology where we've got blockchain and, and ways to identify uh, you are who you say you are. I mean, heck, Amazon knows when I go on Facebook, that thing I needed next to put in my cart, mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought about yet, but then there's the ad. Um, I think we can get to a place as far as voter integrity and, and, and know that we've got faith in our election. So I think that's, I think that, you know, it's, it's fit some political narratives on both sides, but I, I think that would be the one thing that if I could fix it and just had that, that, that right silver bullet uh, or that magic wand and could just wave it, and then we'd worry about some of the other things, you know, some of the some of the other very important and pressing things. That's the thing I'd do. Well, Representative Jason saying we appreciate you coming to this table and being a part of the podcast. You certainly know how to do politics better, and we appreciate you and the work you do for your district and the work you do for the state. We appreciate it. Sir. Well, thank you, Brian. And, and Sky, I, I love working with you guys. And I, and I love the fact that you're doing this podcast. I, if, if I take a minute to say that, but... <laughs> But, but for folks to get that kind of behind the curtain understanding of what we do, I've listened, I've listened to Representative Torbett, uh, to Senator Perry. Um, um, uh, Mike was on the other day. Uh, uh, Senator uh, uh, Mike Woodard was, uh, I think, your last podcast. Mm -hmm. I love, uh, you know, I listen to him when I'm driving back and forth Sunday nights late to Raleigh. Mm -hmm. And uh, you get those different perspectives and, and where, where members are coming from. You're interviewing everybody, and I know you do the dinners with folks. And, uh, really just fostering that understanding of, of we can have you know, different viewpoints, but we, we're all people and we can all talk. And, uh, and, and so your podcast, I think, uh, kudos to you guys. I, you're doing politics better because it's, it's, it's really good for people. And I know as, as your audience grows, people will, will really, who are interested, you know, you're no, no, I'm sure you have no fantasies of becoming the next big hit. <laughs> but for those that are concerned about it, it, it gives them a, a, a unique perspective on what's going on. And I think a better, better look inside and, and kind of behind the curtains of how, how the sausage is made or how you want to say that. But uh, thank you for doing that. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thanks Appreciate for the free it. advertisement. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Representative Jason Zane for, for coming to the office and, and sharing so much about the budget process. Kind of helped to get Representative Zane's perspective on, on what big chairs do. Yes, and he's also just a fun guy to be around. Yeah. We just concluded a busy week and it looks as if peeking at the agenda for next week it's also going to be another busy week what's on tap for us next week the farm bill is moving next week that's a big bill every single year and it's usually led by Senator Brent Jackson, who is a farmer down in Sampson County, he if, if you eat watermelons this summer, there is a good chance it comes off Senator Jackson's farm. It is usually a omnibus bill, uh, pages and pages and pages of, of different provisions, and it's constantly evolving. I think it was in the last biennium, there was really a lot of debate around uh, 
THC, hemp. hemp. Yes, there was yes. a lot of debate around hemp and uh, some things that uh, Senator Jackson wanted to do and then the, the House did not want to do. Yeah, it, Jimmy Dixon in the House usually leads that effort. So it's Brent Jackson in the Senate and Jimmy Dixon in the House that kind of go back and forth. Yeah, and it's interesting because their, their counties are next to each other. I think Senator Jackson represents a little of Duplin. Uh, Representative Dixon rep- represents Duplin County and a little bit of Jones County. And they are both farmers, uh, but don't always see eye to eye on particular issues, especially when it comes to things like hemp and the, and the farming of hemp. Speaking of hemp, we saw a last week Senator Bill Rabin, who is the very powerful rules chairman, represents Brunswick County, New Hanover County, I think he goes into Bladen County, and Pender. He is the lead sponsor on a medical marijuana bill that really got a lot of people's attention. He doesn't file a lot of bills. And so to see his name first on this bill was was really surprising to many of us. Yeah, it was a big shift in that discussion about medical marijuana and taking that first step towards some sort of legalization. To see the Senate leadership, which doesn't take up these issues a lot, um, or at all, really, to see them put a bill forward, you would think that Senator Rabin is not going to put his name on a bill that's not destined to move. So, Sky, last week we talked a lot about our daily routines as as lobbyists. I've had a couple listeners ask us, how do we balance personal life with this hectic schedule at the General Assembly? And I should point out that most days this week, we, we started at the General Assembly 8, 8.30 in the morning, didn't get home until uh, well into the night, even after midnight a, a couple times. Uh, so what do you do when you are not working? One of the interesting things that you and I have talked about in the past is that it would be very different to work at a job where you clocked in and clocked out and that was the end of your work day. This job requires you to be on all the time. It, we have set an expectation that if a client calls us, we'll call them back pretty quickly. We are always on our phones. We that is something your wife has complained to me about, about you, but I do the same thing. So it's kind of, it's difficult, but, um, when we're not working, I mean, you like surfing. I like eavesdropping on my neighbors. It's like pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that you like to do early in the morning that gets your day going, and you are so good about this. I admire it so much, but you never miss a workout in the morning. You are up early and you are working out and you're getting that workout in. I like to work out. I love to exercise. And yes, I love surfing at Carolina Beach and love to get there anytime I can. But I'm not as good at you as you at getting my exercise in. Yeah, I do not consume caffeine. And so I had one of our clients who asked me, she was like, you send me emails really early in the morning. You must drink so much coffee. I was like, I don't drink coffee. I just, I get some energy from my workout. So I don't really feel like my day has started unless I worked out. So I get up at five, no matter what and work out. And she was like, well, how are you fueled? And I was like, I am fueled by spite. (laughs) That's all I need. 
It's true. All right. So curious about this. I know you, you monitor your steps. I monitor my steps every day on our watch. How many steps do you get in at the General Assembly? Between four and five miles every day, pretty consistently. Yeah. So walking between the legislative office building across the bridge to the legislative building. Yeah. It's, it's not uncommon for, for me to get five or six miles in a day. Well, your legs are smaller than mine, so you probably get more steps. <laughs> Oh, was that painful? I'm sorry. That's probably true. I'm not sorry. (laughs) That is our episode for this week. We're tired. We gotta go. We gotta go. It was so great being with you. Thank you to Representative Jason Sane for joining us on the podcast this week. It was such a fun conversation. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast and subscribe and share it. Help listeners find this podcast. We hope that you have a great weekend and a great week. And remember to do politics better. Why does it smell like cologne down here? You never (laughs) wear cologne. Do you have cologne on? I don't have cologne on. What is it? Is it a different deodorant? (laughs) I don't even think it's deep. I don't even know if there's like a man smell over here and you don't usually smell like man.